Good morning. We open up with me in your Bibles to Ezekiel chapter 43. We open up with me in your Bibles to Ezekiel chapter 43. Uh, we are in the final sermon of the sermon series throughout Ezekiel. Uh, and actually, we're getting kind of to the heart of uh, Ezekiel's passion. Uh, when we talk about uh, the temple, we have to remember that Ezekiel uh, himself uh, used to worship and, and work uh, right there in the temple. And so uh, there's a lot to say about this, and I, I, I hope that it'll go along with our theme today uh, on praising uh, our Father in heaven. So uh, let's begin. Uh, we're going to read uh, a, few chat, a few verses here and then uh, talk through uh, what's, what's going on. Then the man brought me to the gate uh, facing east, and I saw the glory of the Lord. I saw the glory of the God of Israel coming from the east. His voice was like the roar of rushing waters, and the land was radiant with his glory. The vision I saw was like the vision I had seen when he came to destroy the city, like the visions I had seen by the Kabar River. And I fell face down. And the glory of the Lord entered the temple through the gate facing east. And then the Spirit lifted me up and brought me to the inner court. And the glory of the Lord, it filled the temple. While the man was standing beside me, I heard someone speaking to me from inside the temple. He said, Son of man, this is the place of my throne, the place... For the soles of my feet. This is where I will live among the Israelites forever. The house of Israel never again defile my holy name. Neither they nor their kings by their prostitution, through the lifeless idols of their kings at their high places. And when they place their threshold next to my threshold and their doorposts beside my doorposts and only a wall between me and them, they defiled my holy name through their detestable practices. So I destroyed them in my anger. Now let them put away from me their prostitution, their lifeless idols of their kings, and I will live among them forever. Son of man, describe the temple to the people of Israel that they may be ashamed of their sins and let them consider the plan. And if they are ashamed of all they've done, make known to them the design of the temple, its arrangements, its exits, its entrances, its whole design and all of its regulations and laws. Write these down before them so they may be faithful to the design and follow all of its regulations. Let's pray. Father God, I'm uh, truly grateful uh, to be here with my friends, my brothers and sisters, as we uh, worship your holy name. We glorify who you are as King of kings, Lord of lords. As we study this morning, I pray that your word will speak to each one of our hearts, that you'll guide and lead our conversation. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. There is a lot to unpack in this passage this morning. I, I honestly don't have time to truly do justice to the text. 
Our passage this morning has been used to discuss the justice of God. It's been used to discuss the glory of God or the Shekinah in Hebrew. And we're going to talk a little bit about both. I really wish we had time to discuss the history of the temple and its importance for worshiping God. But what I really want to focus on this morning is how Jesus understood the temple, how he understood temple worship, and why that's important for us today. So as we walk through the text, let's try to understand those implications. It's important for Ezekiel to be taken first to the gate that faces east. The original temple was built by Solomon in 957 B.C. And during the dedication of this temple, the Shekinah, the glory of God filled the temple as they sang these words. He is good, his love endures forever. In today's passage, we are reminded that the Shekinah, the glory of God, exited the temple through the east gate. That gate was called the Golden Gate, the beautiful gate. And it faced the Mount of Olives. Now, this gate was sealed up during the Ottoman Empire in the 1500s A.D. So it no longer exists in that way today. But listen to this. The reason the Ottoman Empire closed that gate in the 1500s was so that the Messiah could not re-enter Jerusalem. Because they interpreted Jesus as he rode into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, they interpreted that to happen through the east gate. Why is that important? Why is it important? I don't know how all this is going to pan out in the end, and I don't know exactly how it happened in that day, but I, I can agree to something. The fact that this story that we read today is more than Ezekiel prophesying that the temple would be rebuilt. It's more than that. Because in Ezra, they rebuilt the temple. A fulfillment of this passage, the passage is about the temple going to be rebuilt. God's promise of that. But here's what's interesting. The people in Ezra, when they rebuilt the temple that was destroyed, they sung the same words that the people of Solomon's time sang. He is good. His love endures forever. But you know what the biggest difference was? There was no Shekinah. There was none. When Solomon built the temple, the glory of God filled the place in such a way the temple worshipers, they didn't know what to do. They had to stop working. They had to stop worshiping. They were just in awe of God's presence. But not so when they rebuilt the temple after this event that we read about today. Why is that? I think it's because God had something bigger planned than just showing Ezekiel that the temple would be rebuilt. And that's found in the Shekinah, the glory of God. We get our first explanation of this passage in John chapter 4. 
Jesus is interacting with a woman who has arrived at a well. He offers this woman living water that she would never thirst again. And Jesus, through this conversation, even exposes her sin and response. This woman engages with Jesus in a spiritual conversation. Let's read about that that's that conversation in John 4, 19 to 26. Sir, the woman, this is after Jesus exposes her sin. She says, sir, I can see that you're a prophet. Her, her sins have been exposed, of course. And so she begins this spiritual conversation. She said, our ancestors worshiped on this mountain, but you Jews claim the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. She says, verse 21, Jesus replied, woman, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know for salvation is through the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come that the true worshipers will seek will worship the Father in spirit and truth, and this is what the Father seeks. God is spirit. The worshipers must worship in spirit and truth. And the woman said, I know the Messiah is coming, and when he comes, he's going to explain it all to us. But Jesus declared, I, the one who's speaking to you right now, I am he. And this conversation is important because it moves the temple away from a location. The temple is not the Mount Gerasim that this woman was claiming. The temple is not in Jerusalem where the Jews claimed. Then where is the temple? And for that answer, listen to this. We're going to have to flip back two chapters in John chapter 2 to find out where that temple is. Because Jesus walked right into the temple of Jerusalem and he began flipping over tables. He got real upset at these money changers. And the religious leaders got upset about that, obviously. And they said to Jesus, what authority do you have to be doing all this mess? You know what Jesus said? He said, destroy this temple. I think he pointed at himself. Destroy this temple, and I will raise it again in three days. What? What? Do you guys see it? Do you see the fulfillment of Ezekiel's prophecy? when the glory of God would re-enter the temple, would be when the word became flesh. Of course, Israel got their temple back. It was even made bigger by Herod. But the real worship, the real glory of God, the true temple came in Jesus Christ. And he said, you go ahead and destroy this temple and I'm going to raise it in three days. And we all know that that's exactly what he does. Now, some of you, this may not have surprised you. Maybe you saw all that coming. Maybe you heard the phrase, 
Jesus lives in my heart. Maybe you've heard the, pray, the phrase, Jesus lives in me. And, that, and that's a popular saying. We see it in Paul's letters. He says, Christ in me. In uh, 1 Corinthians, he says, Christ makes his home in your heart. And in Galatians, he says, Christ in you, which is the hope of glory. And then Paul brings it all together in 1 Corinthians 3.16 when he says this, Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and God's spirit dwells in your midst? Did you hear that? I want to spend the rest of our time talking about that. Temple worship is what we're talking about. Temple worship. It means that God's prophecy is fulfilled in Jesus Christ who lives in you. You are the temple now. The glory of God, the Shekinah, it lives in you. So what does that mean today? What does it mean to live temple worship? What does it mean for temple worship to happen for us today? Let's start with Romans chapter 12, verse 1. I appeal to you, dear brothers, and I urge you in the view of God's mercy to do what? To offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God. This is spiritual worship. What is it? temple worship, but to offer your bodies, to offer your lives to the living God. Our lives belong to God. It doesn't belong to our culture. It doesn't belong to this world. And it sure don't belong to you. We offer our bodies to God. There was a guy who owned a fishing company, and he, and he uh, wanted a, to have a big day where he would just kind of gather the whole community together. So he developed this sign that read, Fresh Fish for Sale Today. Well, the neighbors started coming together, but one of his neighbors suggested that maybe he removes the word today because, I mean, tomorrow you're still going to sell fresh fish. And he thought, well, I guess that's a good, day, good idea. So he, he removed the word today. Uh, another neighbor suggested that he, he removes the word for sale because it's kind of obvious. If you got fresh fish, you're not just going to leave it to die. You're obviously going to sell it. And so he removed the words fresh fish. Another neighbor, or I'm sorry, for sale, another neighbor suggested he removes the word fresh because he's a person of integrity, and everyone would know that it would be fresh. And now he's just got a sign that read fish, by which another neighbor came and said, you need to close this business down because I can smell you two blocks away. Who owns your life, and who influences the choices that you make. I think this is the biggest struggle for the Israelites as well. Ezekiel told them, stop burying your kings in God's temple. I mean, it's just so easy, right? Stop doing this, stop doing that. It, the temple's not yours, he says. Your temple is not 
yours. The first step that we have in temple worship is to offer our bodies to God as worship. But I think it's deeper than that because in James chapter 1, verse 27, one of our favorite verses says that religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained by the world. These words are echoed by Ezekiel. The Israelites were taking advantage of the poor and the powerless. They had become stained by the world. So God tells Ezekiel that they're not going to live that way anymore, right? Isn't that what he says to them? So the glory is going to fill this temple, and those people, they're not going to be stained by the world anymore. They're not going to live by the world anymore. When they enter the temple of God, they're going to worship with clean hands and a new life of love. Now, when you think of worship, maybe you think about the songs that we sing when we gather together weekly. But worship is more than just that, right? Worship is when you take a bag of hope and you engage in a meaningful conversation with a homeless person when you pray with them. It's worship when you choose to say no to worldly passions and desires and choose to Love God. It's worship when you choose to feed the less fortunate or to help your widow neighbor with her lawn. Worship is more than what just comes out of our mouth. It's a life that is committed to God through acts of love and compassion. It's a life that chooses to say no to sin. That's what worship is. It's offer our bodies to God. It's to love and show compassion to others. It's choosing to say no. That is how God encourages us to worship. And I think that's the point of Ezekiel right here. It's complex, right? It's complex. You've got a, a promise that the temple would be rebuilt but a promise that is much deeper than just that. It's a promise that a Savior would come one day. And that promise fulfilled in Jesus Christ allows God to live inside of us so that we can live out lives of love, compassion, and to say no. Today is Palm Sunday, which we recognize is the beginning of the Holy Week, right? Holy Week celebrates the final week of Jesus' life here on earth. It finishes next Sunday when we celebrate the resurrection. And then you don't have to go to church anymore, right? No. Palm Sunday was the day when Jesus entered Jerusalem for the final day, time, possibly through that east gate. The people cried out, Hosanna, Hosanna, glory to God in the highest. They laid down palm branches. They celebrated Jesus of Nazareth. 
but it was only words. A few short days later, these same people would cry out, crucify him. Their songs of praise of Hosanna were hollow. Can we let our songs of praise be full? Don't just sing to the king of kings, but live a life of love and compassion as well. Our next song that we sing will be I Surrender All. And I encourage you to go to one of the three stations that are set up and take a cup filled with bread and juice. Will you take some time to reflect on the words that are being sung? That we surrender our lives to God. Spiritual act of worship. Give him your life. Love your neighbor. And do not allow yourself to be corrupted. This is true temple worship. Let's pray. Father, we are grateful for this word, this encouragement through your word to live out the work of you inside of each one of us, to live out your Shekinah, your glory. Help us, Lord, through the power of your spirit to live lives full of love. And let that be our spiritual act of worship this week. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen.